Let's open the word of the Lord to John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29. And then we're going to go to uh, verse 35 to 40. John chapter 6. Today I want to talk a couple of minutes on working the works of God. Say that with me. Working, working. The, works the works of God. The Bible actually talks about that. How to work the works of God. And God expects us to work the works of God. John chapter 6, verses 28, 29. Is Brother Julio watching? Give him a call. Give him a call. Somebody call him now and just... I want to know if he's on. Huh? He is? You sure? Julio! Yeah, I'm excited about Julio. You know, he, he suffered a stroke. And I was there... I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday. And he, I'm telling you, he's chipper. He's good. Everything's being restored. Um, you know, of course, Delma's there. And his son, when I got there, was so, so beautiful. Because the son was in bed with him, just hugging him. And, and just there. And, and I looked at him and says, you know, this is precious. It's precious. We all get attacked. And it's not if you get attacked, because you're going to get attacked. It's how you respond to the, the, the attack that counts. And they have him working hard, three, four hours a day, doing therapy, uh, you know, exercising uh, his body. One thing I learned, which uh, I believe all of us should embrace, and that is you have to challenge your brain. Yeah. Now, let me explain why. When you challenge your brain, you learn something new, your brain is forced to create more networks, more neural networks. Yes. And so what happens is the more neural networks you have, the more ability for the brain to communicate. But here's what happens. If you get an injury in the brain, such as a stroke or something else, now that part of the brain isn't functioning. So if you have a lot of networks, it reconfigures and uses the other networks. Like if you learn a language, if you do a lot of uh, word puzzles and things of that nature, constantly challenging your brain. So use the, the, the beautiful organ that God gave you a lot. Don't just sit there watching TV because you know that lady that said years ago, TV rots the brain. Remember that? Those of you that watched that movie years ago, it, it actually does, because you're not thinking. Therefore, you're not creating new networks inside the gray matter. So uh, as you get older, you know, of course, you have challenges with the brain. But the more neural networks you have, the better it is for you, because you, your brain can work around some stuff. It's incredibly pliable, and uh, I fully expect him to make a 100% recovery in the coming days. Amen. So we miss him. Also, Lourdes. Lourdes, how you doing? God bless. And others, uh, when I'm out of town, I always uh, look via internet, and I appreciate that, uh, that aspect of our ministry. So guys, thank you for doing this awesome job. Just, just turn around and just clap for them. Just, just give them some of your love, some of your appreciation. <laughs> we appreciate them very much. And this is just the beginning. Um, as we continue to advance, uh, I'm looking forward to getting some more cameras, um, uh, more um, how can I say, it'll be more realistic on TV, on video, um, and then we'll be able to take some of these and send them over uh, to some of our friends. Um, then we're going to start creating video series and give it to our uh, distinguished guests as they come. Um, I'm, I'm, we're going to go blogging very soon through our, our, video, um, our website, so I'm really, really excited about that aspect of our ministry. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So, Working the works of God. John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? They asked Jesus. And Jesus answered them and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who, who he sent. So the work of God is that people come to saving faith in Christ. 
That's the work of God. In a one sentence. Now, we can, of course, fill that in with many other sentences because there are many, many ways, there are myriad ways to be able to share the gospel with others so that they can come to saving faith in Christ. But in essence, in one sentence, doing the works of God is to make sure that people come to saving faith in Christ and believe in Jesus. So let's go a moment to John chapter 6, verse 35, a couple of verses down. We're going to read from verses 35 to 40. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me, in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. In other words, whoever comes to Jesus, he'll receive him. Doesn't care who they are. Doesn't care what they look like. It doesn't care from what part of the world they come from. Whoever comes to Jesus, he will receive them. So for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. Anybody here want to do God's will? Well, look at what Jesus is saying here. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all that he has given me, I should lose nothing. And should raise it up the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me. That everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up the last day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the will of the father. In all our doing, let's make sure this is happening. Because I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you teach. I don't care how much you sing and dance and jump. If this isn't happening, the will of God is not being done. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we worship you. And we thank you for your kindness, your love, your tender mercies. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for saving us and for redeeming us by the blood of the Lamb. For delivering us from the power of darkness. For translating us to the kingdom of your dear Son. Thank you for goodness and mercy which follows us every day of our lives. Thank you for your tender mercies which are brand new every single morning. Thank you, Father, that we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray, teach us this moment. Open up the eyes of our understanding that we might be able to see what your will is. And Lord, grant us great boldness and strength and joy to be able to execute your will. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in God's presence. In Matthew chapter uh, 28, verses 18 through 20, I believe Minister Tony shared this a couple of weeks ago, that verse. He says, Jesus came, he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I don't need a, a, the word of the Lord to tell me that he's with me. I have the word of the Lord saying he's with me. So say to your neighbor, he's with you. Every day. All the time. Amen. But one thing struck me there. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Well, yeah, you're God. But you know, he had to say that. You know why? He had all authority in heaven. But who had authority here on earth? See, when Adam blew it and gave his authority over to Satan, Satan had authority in the earth realm. That's why when Jesus began his earthly ministry, first thing he had to do, he has to go through a temptation. And the Bible said he was led to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. 
So as a man, he had to be tempted by the devil who had the authority in the earth realm in every area. The Bible says he was tempted in every area, yet he was found innocent. Wow. And then the enemy said, if you worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. See, he had authority to say that because he was in charge here on, in this earth realm. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You will worship the Father. You will honor him. Amen. You put him first. That's who I'm going to worship. He was tempted in every area with the eyes, lust of the eyes, lust, lust of the mind, uh, lust of the heart, pride of life. In every aspect, Jesus was tempted, but yet he overcame every temptation. So when he died on the cross, he was innocent. That was an illegal death. But the thing is, he didn't come for himself. He came for us. So he stood in our place. That, that cross thing was a proxy thing. See, so when he won on the cross, and then, and then the Father rose him up again by the power of his Spirit, he said, now I have all authority in heaven, and I have authority here. I took it back from the enemy. I took the keys of death and hell from him. I have all authority. And since now I have the authority on the earth realm too as a man, I gave it back. I gave the authority back to man. Man blew it, so man had to get it back. Some people say, well, he's God. He doesn't need permission. It's not the point. The point is in the Old Testament, we see man, God told man, you're in charge of the earth. I give you charge over all the earth. When God establishes a law, God himself submits to the very law that he authorizes. So when God said man is in charge on earth, man is in charge on earth. Why? Because God said so. So when man blew it, God said, okay, we have to now get, bring up, raise up a man that will be able to make it right. Problem was that each man that was born was born through the Adamic nature. He was born into sin. So there was not a man with a pure heart. There was, an, there was not a man without a sinful nature that can be the Lamb of God because the Lamb had to be pure. So God said, I myself will go. I will become man and I will live a perfect life and I will die on the cross for them, for man. So as man, he was able to accomplish that. Praise God. So, so today, Jesus says, I have all authority in heaven, but I have all authority on earth. I gave it back to you. So since I have authority, then he says this, therefore... Since I have the authority, I now authorize you to go and make disciples of all nations. So even though the enemy doesn't want you to do it, he can't do anything about it because he's no longer authorized and he can't hold you back. You have the authority because you've been empowered by the one that has the authority. That's why a police officer can go and stop traffic anytime he wants to because he has a badge and he was authorized by the government. And if you don't listen to him, they can put you in prison. They can penalize you by giving you a ticket. Any, anybody here ever get a ticket? The rest of you, you're liars. You all could come to the... Well, you know, we all experience that from time to time. And we don't like it, but we still have to submit to it. Isn't that true? Because they are authorized by the government. We are authorized by Almighty God to go out there and break the strongholds. We are authorized to be able to share the word of the Lord as ambassadors of Christ. And when we're out there praying for people, we're authorized to pray for them, get them delivered, get them set free, get them reconnected to their heavenly father. We are authorized because Jesus authorized us. I don't need permission from anybody else. Hallelujah. I might not be ordained by an organization, but I'm authorized by almighty God. Hallelujah. 
I can go to the trains and preach and pray and prophesy and nobody can stop me because I am authorized by Almighty God. Amen. So now maybe the local municipality might say, you can't do it this way, you can't do it this way. I'm going to do it some way because I'm authorized by Almighty God. And Jesus did not say, just go to 108th Street and preach. Because the government don't want you to preach on 109th Street. No, he said, go to your Jerusalem. And then go to your Judea. And then go to Samaria. And then go to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, every place is in play right now. Hallelujah. So I'm excited that we're getting out there, but I'm excited not just because we're getting out there. I'm excited because now we're really starting to get serious with God and we're really starting to do the will of God. Everything else was just preparation. Everything else was just practice. Now we're getting to do what God really has called us to do. Now we're raising up and behaving as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because now we're getting out of the root of selfishness and we're going into that level of selflessness, which is what Jesus showed us on the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. There are many people in churches today that are totally selfish. They come and pray. They lift their hands. They know church. I'm telling you, they know church. They know when to dance, when to jump. They know how to say, God bless you. You go to them on Sunday, they go, Te bendiga, varón. Oh, yeah, they, they have it. They have it down, put, I mean, Pat, they have it. But watch them on Monday at the job. They're not like, they're like I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. I know some of them. And it's amazing. I said, whoa, Jekyll and Hyde. No, no. It's that they are inherently selfish. They haven't risen to that level of selflessness. They haven't given Christ first place in their lives. But as you're growing from level to level, from glory to glory, you realize, oh my God, it's not that I want to, you know, do this to please God and then, and then God will bless me. No, he already blessed me. So out of that appreciation and that gratitude that I am the son that's already in the house. I'm not the prodigal anymore that the father's waiting for to come home. I am the son that's already home and the fatted calf is already there for me. Already all the resources are there for me. I'm enjoying the inheritance now. So out of a grateful heart, I now have to say, well, you know, I got to do something for somebody else now. I have to start acting like Christ in that I take myself out of my own comfort level and sacrifice for somebody else. Amen. And I know it's a challenge for us to, to share with other people the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the challenge is nothing but your flesh not wanting to do it. The challenge is nothing but your comfort level saying, oh, no, I don't want to bother with that. Everybody knows the gospel in New York. Everybody heard the gospel. You'd be surprised. Not everybody has heard the gospel. They've heard about religion. They've heard about you can't do this, you can't do that, can't do the other. But the gospel, I remember age 15 when somebody shared the gospel. I mean, I was a Catholic. I knew that Jesus was on the cross in the Catholic church. I knew when I come into church, I have to take some of that water, dip my finger in it, and go like this. I knew that. See, I knew these things, the catechisms, all that, but I really hadn't really heard the gospel in its purest sense that he loves me. That he's already made a way for me. That he already has a high purpose for me. That I'm unique. I'm special in his kingdom. I'm special. He made me special. On the cross, he died for me. Hallelujah. To deliver me from the power of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. 
not like that. I hadn't heard it that way. But when somebody shared it with me in that way, that simple way, I was, wow, I need that right now in my life. My family needs that right now. Praise God. And it made all the difference in the world. And I was at 15, and I'm now 53. That was the best decision I made in my life. Second best was marrying my wife. So I get great points when I say that. So, I mean, I mean, wow. Is my wife around? Is my wife there? She's downstairs? Is, she, is the camera on downstairs? Yeah, my second best decision I've ever made. Praise the Lord. Amen. In Mark chapter 11, something very interesting. Jesus, he walks over to a fig tree. Bible says he was hungry. He was legitimately hungry. He went to the fig tree and he had to go in because the fig tree was full of leaves. So it looked fruitful and he didn't find any figs. So he looked at it. He says, no one eat from you ever again. And he walked away. The disciples heard that and they were kind of surprised that he said that. But it's interesting that it made several observations. Uh, the writer uh, of the book made several observations. The fact that Jesus was hungry. And he went to a fig tree, but it was not season for the fig tree to bear fruit yet. Interesting. But yet Jesus still expected fruit. He expected fruit. I'm hungry now, I want fruit now. I don't wait for another season. I'll be dead by the time the other season comes in. I want fruit now. I need it now. It's interesting. So put that on hold in your brain. Put it on hold. So then he left. A couple of days later, they come back. The fig, the fig tree obviously had uh, withered and, and died. So the disciples, they go, Jesus, the fig tree that you curse is dead. He says, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, be removed, and you don't doubt in your heart. But if you believe the things that you're saying in your heart, it will come to pass. The mountain will be removed. What an interesting play on philosophy. They just finished saying that he cursed the tree and it died, and he's talking about prayer. Uh, it almost doesn't seem to coordinate, but it coordinates perfectly. Because part of what Jesus did was he expected fruit. And understand, when Jesus did things, it was not that he was quirky. Jesus was teaching the disciples something. Because in the book of Psalms, it said that the righteous are like a tree that bear fruit. Always bearing fruit. Because they're connected to rivers of water. You see? So he was coming to receive from his creation. So his creation should be bearing fruit all the time. So when you bring that to prayer, prayer is the point of intimacy. Prayer is the time as a husband and wife would get together. Right? And from there comes a process that now eventually creates a what? A baby, a child, a birth. But prayer is the place of intimacy. Prayer is the place where one speaks to another intimately. And there is a dialogue and then there's a passing on of seed. Jesus spoke to the tree, and obviously we understand what happened. He had power in his words. And many in the faith um, persuasion, word of faith persuasion, have used that to speak and you receive. But they miss a very important part. The part of prayer, which is the intimacy part, and then the action, which is the bearing fruit part. 
I, I'm trying to. It's, it, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get this over to you. We pray, we see God, we're intimate with Almighty God, receiving of His life, but then the next natural progression is bearing fruit. So a tree could look as beautiful with many leaves, but if it doesn't have fruit, it didn't birth. It didn't give the fruit that God is expecting. Jesus was expecting fruit. Like we say in Spanish, punto y coma. That's it. I want fruit. I want it now. Can I say that in this season, the Father has been looking at the local fellowships to see if they're bearing fruit. And I believe that there is a move by the Holy Spirit to purge the congregations so that they can bear fruit. Because what does Jesus do with the trees or with these fruit-bearing plants? Well, in John 15, it says that whenever he sees a, a, a tree or um, uh, maybe a plant that is at the point of bearing fruit, he immediately goes to it and starts cutting away things that are not good. Things that are zapping the life sap from the tree so that the life sap can go then to the bearing of fruit. So what God does is he comes down and he visits his people from time to time as an inspection. I want to put it easy so we could all understand it. Sometimes the pressure that comes upon us is nothing less than an inspection by the Holy Ghost. No, that bad devil. No, no devil, it's God. God's all over you because he is testing whether you're bearing fruit or not. And if you're almost at that place, but you haven't bore the fruit yet, he starts cutting away the things that are no good. He starts cutting away the things that are disturbing your progression to bear fruit. Because there are things that are natural to us that are dangerous to our future. In the Old Testament, they were very graphic Graphic, and I'm wondering why in the world was that there? And then it confirms it in the New Testament, something called circumcision. Joshua was ready to go in there and take the land. And God said, don't do it yet, get him circumcised. I made a covenant with Abram, and part of the covenant is a circumcision. It's a cutting away of a foreskin that although it's natural to man, it's not good for the future. It's also the cutting and shedding of blood. Interesting, because later on in the New Testament, there will be shedding of blood. But why circumcision? Well, I might cut the nails, maybe? Poke a finger? No, I'm, I'm just thinking. You've got, you, you got to think outside the box. Because circumcision deals directly with future generations. Because when a man passes on his seed to a woman, it first must pass through that uncircumcised part. And we know historically, when a man passes on a seed, whatever is there in the foreskin also passes on. So he could conceivably pass on illnesses and sicknesses. So what happens is, God wants to cut away things that are natural to your flesh, but they're horrible for your future. Because as you go and minister, but you still have all that baggage on you, and you try to pass it on to your future, oh my God, you know sometimes what some people pass on when they're preaching? I know for a fact that there are people that have left churches because their preacher, when they're passing on the gospel, they're also passing on hate, mm -hmm. passing on racism, passing on anger, passing on bitterness. Yeah, Sir, I'm preaching it, but I'm not getting many amens right now. 
I know people that they say, you got to love God. And meanwhile, they have a nastiest attitude in the world. Because that was from their old life. They never got circumcised. So God is circumcising his people. He's moving upon his people. He's cutting away things. And you know something? When, when Joshua, the Bible said that Joshua had to circumcise his men. So these men had to voluntarily stand there and take it. While the man of God handled them very intimately. And now it's very gory. That was very bloody. And the next three days these men could not fight. They had to sit down or just stay to the sidelines and heal. My God. And that's what God is doing today. He's cutting away. The Bible talks about the New Testament. It talks about circumcision. The cutting away of flesh. The cutting away of fleshly desires. Yeah, I want to preach. I'm going to be the greatest preacher. I'm going to be better than Billy Graham. I can sing and I can sing better than anybody else. I'm going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. God's going to cut away the ego, the attitude. Well, I don't know. I didn't like the way pastor preached, so I'm offended. That's it. I'm going to withhold my tithe now. <laughs> Amen. Haven't you heard it lately? <laughs> God's been cutting away and it hurts and it's painful. That's how come if, if I see some of you get upset at me or because of something I said, I said, that's all right, stay aside for three days. I know, what, I know exactly what's happening there. <laughs> God's working on you because you've got to get to the point where you can stand there on a Thursday and share love with somebody and they spit in your face and you'll be all right with it. Oh, yeah, I know. Listen, some Christians that go out there, they praise God, attract to the word of God, you know, God loves you. Oh, y'all know that's it, man. <laughs> Forget about evangelism for the day. That's it. Now, pastor has to come and, you know, how much, uh, how much is the bail? <laughs> oh, man. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, you have to really go through a process and you have to die to self. And now the, the seed that you're passing on is pure seed. Because now you're circumcised. Now what comes out, the word that comes out, the prophetic word that comes out. I'm scared of prophecy sometimes. Some people come in and prophesy. Their life is a mess. You know, they're, they're not in divine order. They haven't been circumcised. And that prophecy will mess you up. <laughs> Remember years ago, I say that for those of you that didn't hear this testimony. I might have shared about a year ago. Here at Calvary, years ago, about 22 years ago, uh, there was this couple who wanted to get married. So they came to me. Uh, I was an elder at that time. Says, We'd love to get married. I says, you're not ready. I says, oh, come on, elder. I said, you're not ready. You guys are a mess. You really need some counseling. You, 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 you need to learn how to work together. You guys are arguing, fighting all the time. You're not ready yet. Give yourself some time. Don't be in a rush. They went to the other elder, said the same thing. They went to the pastor, said the same thing. Went to the associate, same thing. But then they went to a young man. So what do you think? Oh, yeah, the Lord says, amen, hallelujah. Oh, yeah, 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 the Lord says get married. They got married. They got married. Well, I remember the day, forget about divorce, I remember the day we were outside after the end of the service. They were outside in a car right over there, and he's on his wife, and, and literally has her neck. He's going like that. Wait, well, what's the matter? No, I'm tired of this woman. says, what you get married for? No, because that guy prophesied to us. We looked at him and we Come here a second. That boy wasn't circumcised yet. 
See, that's, that's why I'm concerned. That's why you notice, if we hear prophetic words here, the people will come to me or to my wife, to one of the elders, and they'll mention the prophetic word. Not that we want to control some things, right, yeah. but if the prophecy is, oh yeah, the Lord says to divorce that lady and go to that lady, we're going to say, we, we kind of want you to hold that one, and we want to give you some counsel before uh, you prophesy a thing in this church. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. I've heard some very funny prophetic words. Some very weird prophetic words. So God's working on us so that as we go out there and share the word of the Lord. The Bible says don't despise prophecy. But the Bible says we can judge the word based on the context. Does it fall in line with the word? I don't care that you said God said. But if it's, out, if it's not in line with the word, the sure word, I don't care what you said. You didn't hear from God. And there are even times where the word might sound right, but it, it might not be the season for it. You know? Might not be the season. Yay, the Lord says you're going to evangelize, you're going to go to Africa and amen or to Iran or whatever it may be. I don't care. Good word. Not time now. To Caesar, not now. I'm saying, literally, you have to wait for times and seasons. When God gives you a word, usually 15, 20 years later is when you see the manifestation of the word. David, you're going to be a mighty king. You know, I'm going to, uh, you're going to be in charge of all of Jerusalem and Israel. And, 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 and your seed is, uh, you're going to have, uh, out, of, out of your seed is going to come the master, the Lord. And for the next 15 years, the current leader, the current king, chased after him to kill him. So for the next 15 years, he was running away, going from town to town, hiding. So there are seasons and there are times. So God is working on us because he wants us to be as that righteous tree. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The word ungodly means the criminals, the guilty ones, the ones that are wicked and hostile to God. See, part of your becoming that tree is get away from those that can do you harm. Get away from those that are taking the bribe. Get away from those that don't know how to control their mouth because part of life and death is your ability to speak into situations. Remember Jesus spoke to the tree? What did the tree do? The tree obeyed. So our words, little by little, start changing and they start sounding more like Christ. The second thing, it says he doesn't stand in the path of sinners. Sinners, the ones that are exposed to condemnations. The ones that are the offenders. Offenders of the kingdom of God. Offenders of the word of the Lord. The ones that don't care what God said. I'm going to do it my way. See, we got to move away from people like that, minister to them, but don't hang out with them and get an impartation from them because they're not going to take you the right way. Nor, seats in the sit, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Scornful to boast, to mock, to be inflated, prideful. We, we have to identify prideful people and not get caught up with that because even in the kingdom of God, there are people in the church that are allowing pride, which is probably one of the, uh, the senior sins. Because what was, what, what was it that turned Lucifer into Satan? Pride. So don't think you're so big and bad that you can't get taken by pride. We need to ask God every day, help me. Grant me wisdom and understanding that I may never fall into that sin of pride. We are to be fruitful and we are to be prosperous all the time. Say to your neighbor, all the time. When I'm not in the mood, somebody wants prayer. When I don't want to, somebody's going to need ministry. We need to bear fruit. Now, here's the fruit. The fruit is that people will come to saving faith in Christ. What are we doing 
that's going to cause somebody else to connect with Almighty God. That is His will. Everything else is helping that to be a reality. Are you administrator? Well, then administrate the people so that we can organize to get out there and help somebody else. So we could organize small groups. So we could organize the times of intimacy, the times of prayer that help to, how can I say, create that forward momentum that would allow us to do the will of God. So we come here on Wednesdays and pray. Wow, that's the time of intimacy. That's the time when God starts speaking things into you. That's the, the time when God starts imparting faith and, and He starts imparting boldness and He starts imparting joy. He starts imparting His perspective in you. So when you go out, you have the correct perspective. I've been working Wednesday nights, so it's been difficult. I've been missing the last couple, but I've been really wanting to be here because I know that's the place. Thursday, while you guys were evangelizing, I was praying on the west side of the Bronx with a group of pastors and leaders. Wow. The heart of these people. I mean, we pastors, we're broken. Our, our hearts are yearning. Oh, God, have mercy on this city. And I heard some perspectives. And one particular pastor came from Africa five years ago, from um, Nigeria. And he's in the West Bronx. And he had a great testimony. Uh, he was driving past this theater. Uh, I went to that theater before. It was a church. And uh, the pastor had moved over to the Carolinas. So the building was being prepared uh, to be a club. So he's passing by and the Holy Spirit told him, uh, this building is yours. I'm giving it to you. So stop, go back, and lay hands on it and declare it. So he went back and he met some guys that were next door. He says, this building. He says, oh, would you want to do anything about it? The keys are right over here. Got the key, went inside, beautiful. He says, this building is yours, the Holy Spirit told him. So he met with the owner, and the owner told him, he said, well, you know, there was a church that was using it before. They moved. And uh, if you wanted, they were paying $8,000 a month. He said, I can't afford $8,000. I can't afford seven, six, nor 5000 So the owner looked at him and says, well, what can you afford? He said, I can afford 4000 a month. He said, okay, you got it, 4000 a month, it's yours. <laughs> then he went back to the guy who he had spoken to before, he says, they're giving you the place? He says, yeah. So you know, right now my hair stand on end because I was the one that was preparing it. Inside, it was starting to look already as a, like a disc discotheque. Mm -hmm. He had it set up and he already got funding, several millions of dollars to really make it into a big discotheque. And suddenly the funding stopped, everything stopped. He lost his investment. He just, just everything just stopped. He says, now I realize why God stopped me. He said, wow. this should not have ever been turned from a church into a bar, oh church into a... So he confessed that to this pastor. Wow. So, you know, I say that to you to, to let you know that God is moving on all the local churches. So I'm, I'm expecting something weird to happen that's going to get us into our own place very, Amen. very soon. Amen. I don't know how it's going to happen, yeah. but we're going to continue to pray and birth this thing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. So people, what God is doing is nothing less than supernatural, but He is interested in His sons and daughters. Parable of the lost sheep, Luke 15. It says that if you have 99 healthy sheep, or rather 100 sheep, and one sheep goes and gets lost, what does the guy do? He runs after the one that is lost, leaves the 99 healthy ones and goes after that one. And when he brings it back, they all celebrate. 
In other words, there's more joy when one son or daughter comes back home than all of the 99 here worshiping him. There's joy, but he knows you're okay. Any of you who are parents know that. He knows you're okay. He's concerned for that one out there. So that's what the Spirit of God is imparting upon us now. It's not so much that this is what blesses God because we're already family and He already knows you're secure. It's those that haven't come in yet. And so when you get that perspective, you start crying out to God for the one that isn't here yet. Hallelujah. For the one that was and got lost. We've got to get active in helping because that's God's heart. Hallelujah. Parable of the talents. When you look at the parable of the talents, the Lord gave five talents to one, two talents to one, and one talent to another. And then he left. Most of the time we talk about that in the context of money. And it was money that he gave to them. But he was teaching them the principles of the kingdom. What are the principles? That when God gives you a talent, he wants multiplication. He wants fruit. And to the one that had five, he multiplied it to ten. And the, uh, the Lord said, good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. The one who had two, he multiplied it to four, he said, enter into my joy. But the one that had one talent, he hid the talent. And what did the Lord tell him? Wicked and lazy servant. I wanted interest on that. You should have just put it in the bank, give me some interest. But again, what's the principle of the kingdom? That God wants fruit. And what is fruit? People reconnecting with Almighty God. We've used it in the context of money. We've used it in the context of, of growing churches, of administration. But now, let's remember what the macro point is. And the macro point is that God wants His sons and daughters. And as I close, there's a verse. Very, un, very interesting parable, but it ends up with the verse that says, Go wherever you have to go to the highways, the byways, go to the hedges and compel them to come in because my house must be full. God's not interested in your attendance. He's interested in his sons and daughters coming back home. It is a sin to think we're big as a church because we got a hundred or five hundred or a thousand. He's looking for his millions. There is not enough church space in the city. So when we get used to, yeah, we're full. Let, 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 me, let me contextualize it right here, right here. We could be comfortable like this for the rest of our ministerial journey here. You know, you might be here 10 years, 20 years. We could do a great job here. We could stay just like this. But that's not the Father's heart. Because there are too many sons out there that are not here. That's why the four walls are always a hindrance. Yeah. All church growth experts have said this, that when a church reaches 80% fill capacity, people will come from the outside and say, eh, the church is too full. <laughs> That's why we can never feel comfortable in just a place. We have to find strategies to touch more and more people. And if we fill one place, we've got to open up another church. We've got to get on a larger building. We have to open up another outreach. We'll have to go to two services because God's heart is still crying for that one that isn't here. Luke 14, 23. Then the master said to the servant, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. He said, all authority is given 
to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. How do we work the works of God? Help people to come to saving faith in Christ. Help people to reconnect with Daddy, with Abba, with Heavenly Father. That's it. Like we say in Spanish, punto y coma. That is the work of the kingdom. Everything else is fluff. We have the church with the nicest banners. Great. Are people coming to saving faith with? Man, we have an awesome sound system. Awesome. Is the sound system being used to have people come to Christ? Man, we put the best conferences out, man, in this side of North America. Maybe you do. But at the end of all the noise, at the end of all the fluff, at the end of all of the smoke and mirrors, all did people come to saving faith in Christ? Because that's His will. He gives us the ability to be creative in helping people to come to Christ. Maybe you open up your home. Maybe you have a prayer group in your job. Maybe you blog about the gospel. Maybe you go to the trains and, and preach. I know guys in the train, they do a whole show for you between 110th Street and 116th Street. They'll go in there. I know when they're ready to do a show. They come in, you know, they have their little boom box, and you see them getting ready. I'm going, okay, we got a show. All right, let me get out of the way. Because he's like, woo, 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 all over the place. They do somersaults. One guy, guy, one time a guy did a somersault, hit a lady's face. Bam! I said, okay, that's a show. <laughs> Other times people will come in, they'll, they'll share, spiel, whatever, or maybe a sign, and they'll ask for help. But what are we doing to connect people to Christ? Okay.